Hi, you are listening to Celestial Vibes podcast, presented by Ashwin from India. Uh, this is the episode 14th of Celestial Vibes podcast. I think it's episode 14, and uh, today we have Frank Clifford for the second time to talk about uh, education in astrology in a streamlined manner. And uh, we all know that Frank is the principal of London School of Astrology. So, uh, uh, welcome, Frank. and thanks for being here once again thank you thank you for inviting me it's um going to be an interesting evening yes <laughs> so see uh, i thought you you would have a unique perspective in terms of dealing with astrological education because you have been uh, you have been a lecturer for quite a long time and you've also been the principal of uh, you are still the principal of uh, london school of astrology if i'm not wrong and you have been lecturing across the globe and you are also doing online lectures and you are also doing a lecture um, to the like astrological uh, astrology university uh, tony howard's astrology university um, which i am actually really looking forward to so so i thought you would have a very unique perspective in terms of uh, what your experience says about the streamlined astrological education because i am someone who didn't have streamlined astrological education i took Uh, see, see, from uh, India is different because in India, everyone, everyone, will, most of the people will say, most of the astrologers will say that I learned astrology from my father. I learned astrology from my grandfather. So I learned astrology from my grandfather. I listened uh, to my grandfather's grandfather and then brothers and my uncles talking about astrology. Uh, like, uh, so that's how I got fascinated and. Uh, um, sure surely the studies came in later but still the early part of fascination for almost all the indian astrologers come from family itself so how is it in the west and how does it uh, how is it being differentiated from uh, normal education like what i had and uh, what is the difference between streamlined education and normal education oh okay um, <clears throat> that's an interesting question i think it's very varied because uh, I, I, for example, taught myself. I didn't have anybody in the family that was particularly interested in astrology. So I, at the age of 16, I went and started to get some books and to teach myself on it. Uh, and, and I didn't, I, maybe I was too shy to go to classes at the time. There were some classes in London. Uh, the great thing about living in London or living nearby, as I do now, is the wealth of experience. Uh, so when I was growing up and starting to learn astrology, there was Liz Green living and working in London, Howard Susportas, Stephen Arroyo was around. Uh, then we had people like Melanie Reinhardt. And then a whole uh, generation of exceptional astrologers, all on the doorstep doing talks uh, at the Urania Trust Center or um, talks for the faculty. Uh, and so it was buzzing. And at that time in the late 1980s, when I began, uh, there was a publishing company called Aquarian Press and they were producing what it seemed like. Uh, they were producing one book a month from these types of astrologers and creating some very good texts. And I have many of them on my um, shelves here. So 
being in London, I had access to some amazing, clever minds uh, and being able to see them live, being able to ask questions. But I didn't go down the traditional route of, uh, as you do in this country, really, going to a school and learning. Um, I secretly wanted to go back and do that. Uh, and I always say to students and to friends, if I, had a, if I wasn't teaching, I'd go back and learn from class one and learn again and, and make new associations and, and try to learn more and, because we never stop learning. So um, I think in the West, people learn through articles. Uh, now everything is on the internet, so they have access to so many different points of view, so many different astrologies. But when I was starting uh, in the late 1980s, uh, there was no internet, and but London was buzzing with ideas, with people, with brilliant minds, and it felt like an honor to be here, really. Uh, and I think when I started to, to look around for schools, or for at least uh, occasional talks and classes, there was a place called the Urania Trust, uh, in Caledonian Road uh, in London, and they had weekly meetings. There was, of course, the faculty, the company of astrologers, and the center of psychological astrology, Liz Green School. So there were the three main schools at the time. Uh, and the CPA, Liz's school, went online many years ago, stopped doing London, London events or classes in person. Um, the company do occasional meetings as well um, and people the people that were the pioneers of education in this country in England have gone down the academic route so Liz did her second doctorate uh, she trained and now she teaches or did did for a number of years teach um, the Bath Spa or the Lampeter University course and Jeffrey and Maggie who began the company of astrologers now teach at a university course in Canterbury. Uh, so there are not many of them that are still teaching astrology. They're teaching, they've gone beyond. They're looking at uh, the uh, various social implications like Nick Campion as well, who runs the bath spa that's now the Lampeter University. Of course, was an astrologer for many years and he's moving to academia so he's he's uh, uh he's probably not doing astrology so it's i imagine that 30 years from now i'll still be teaching astrology i don't i've never been that interested in heading towards academia heading towards doing the university courses uh, i still enjoy the classes and people coming in and teaching them the subject rather than the, uh, the philosophy or the sociology of the subject. Uh, so there'll, there'll always still be me trying to teach it to, uh, to beginners and to different, different levels, uh, hopefully in the future for, for many years. Uh, but I guess to answer your question, there's people learn it, they get introduced to astrology through newspaper, newspapers and through books. Uh, general sun sign books, um, 
which has, has always been very big in the West, particularly since the 1960s with Linda Goodman, uh, her Sun Signs book. And people get introduced to that. And then they go online to look for courses or they ring me up or they email the school and get interested in going further with it. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah. Does that answer your question? I'm not sure if it does. Yeah, uh, I think uh, it does. But uh, I would like to like explore a bit more. For example, when I started astrology, um, I just took some book, um, like that was the start, and I really didn't have an idea where to start or which book I should buy. But at this point of time, uh, since 2011 and now it's 2018, I know how to actually guide a starter in terms of which book to start with and which book uh, is actually an advanced one. So that is something that uh, a self-learned astrologer will actually uh, would regret. See, I, I would have liked to go to a school or a, like uh, I would have liked to have a streamlined education in terms of uh, studying astrology. Uh, in a sequential manner. So, because it took me around three to four years to realize that I should have done this before or I should have done this before. So I had to figure it out myself. But if you go to a school, uh, a traditional school where you have a, a curriculum, where you will have the uh, like syllabus, which will be in a sequential form in terms of introduction and everything. So you'll be having a set of things in your mind and by the time you finish the course, you'll you'll be actually uh, knowing the clear path of how to advance to the next step. Because no astrologer stops with a basic course, and after that particular basic course, they tend to choose their own paths, their their own specialization. So uh, some choose natal astrology, while some choose horary and electional. So th there are so many things, and some people even venture into other forms of astrology, like Vedic astrology or uh, Persian astrology or something like that. So, uh, so do, uh, I'm sure this helps when you have a streamlined education from a school. So, uh, how do you like put it in your words? Uh, yes, I I agree. I think having a a timetable, having a uh, having a uh, I'm looking at this right now. Actually, this is what I create for the students. There are basically 25 hours a term, and there are nine terms of teaching, and I think it's very important to learn astrology systematically. Like you, when I started to teach myself, you, you run down a particular avenue and then you realize that you're missing a whole corner of understanding. And when you're teaching yourself, you don't have anybody to ask questions of or to have, have that uh, feedback, which I would have enjoyed had I been in class. So I think... Some, some students, some people ring me up and they say, oh, I'd like to learn online. And I say, well, if you're going to learn online, make sure that the, the school offers a question and answer session. Make sure that you can speak to other people because if you're just listening and taking in information, um, the students really need, this is what comes alive when we teach live in London. The students ask questions, you realize the mistakes that they're making and you can change that immediately you can show the the chart wheel uh, on the projector show them exactly where they've misunderstood something and i think 
having a systematic course that takes you through gradually and some students like to walk others want to run really fast but you have to just teach them bit by bit promising the really impatient ones that you'll you'll get there uh, because uh, and and to stay with it and to learn because ultimately what what we teach in the first term the elements the modes the signs and the planets introducing those is the fundamental aspects the basic building blocks of astrology and whether you're learning electional horary whether you're learning astrocartography whatever it is you might be learning if you don't know what mars is and how to describe it and what it looks like and the colors and that it's to do with everything sharp and hot and fast and reckless and um if you don't understand or make that association early uh you or should i say if you make it early you can then apply it to anything i have uh friends and students who who apply the mars cycles to the stock market and they sit there and they watch it and some of them don't really know what mars is but they know that it's the key to understanding how money goes up and down how they can make money uh and maybe yeah you know, so it doesn't really matter whether they know what it means or not but for most astrologers most students learning always drumming into them the basics getting them back to picturing mars uh understanding what libra looks like understanding some of the dilemmas of scorpio whatever it may be understanding the key um facets of the signs and the planets will be of great advantage whatever you learn so investing in that at the beginning and keep investing in that is the key to how i teach students always coming back to the basics and reminding them that they know it so when they think oh i don't understand this subject you know it you know it already you know what jupiter is um we're just applying it to something new uh so having that systematic uh course that takes them through uh is they sort of have to have trust that you're going to take them to all the places that they impatiently want to go but you have to say slow down learn the basics and then you'll really be able to understand the rest yeah you're right because astrology is something that people get carried away uh, the moment they learn the basics and uh, <laughs> even i had a similar experience but i had someone to actually push me down and uh, suppress my uh, enthusiasm for for some amount of time so um, now well i i don't i don't want to stop anyone's enthusiasm boss because i just want to say to them um keep reading and what we do is we send if somebody was particularly interested in something we're doing later and they can't wait i'll send them articles or i recommend a book for them to keep their interest alive because we know that if we don't get what we want soon we we lose heart or we feel pigeonholed or pushed into a uh into somebody's um uh, you know idea of how they should learn people learn very differently and one of the things i've learned is that when you start teaching people when you teach adults it brings them back to some of the good and the bad experiences they had growing up 
So sometimes in, in the class, you might meet, very occasionally, you meet somebody who doesn't feel they're intelligent enough. They don't want to ask questions. They feel they might be dismissed or laughed at. And I, if I can, for an Aries to be patient, it's a good, it's a good rare thing. Um, and I always feel that if, if the day that I stop being patient with student questions and the day I stop loving teaching and explaining things, it's the day I should stop teaching completely. Because I've seen this with teachers, they get very irritable or dismissive if students ask the same questions. And students need to be reassured. They need somebody supportive. They need somebody who is, uh, who, who understands what it's like to put this amazing world of astrology together. And people learn so differently. They see the world so differently. That as a teacher, you have to be very versatile to speak to the people that understand it quickly, to the people that put the pieces together slowly in a different way, upside down. Um, you have to learn to, to really um, explain it in five or 10 different ways sometimes because you're meeting people who have many, many difficult experiences learning uh, through te bad teachers in the past. Um, maybe they had a very clever sister, but they were considered slow or not as bright or there was a lot of comparison. So people coming back to school when they're 50, 40, 60, 70, it's, um, it's a big step. It requires a lot of courage for people. They get very anxious that they're not going to learn fast. And, and I hope, maybe I don't succeed always, but I hope that I can say, it's fine, we'll get there. And I can talk to them one-to-one -one in the break or on the phone before or after class, whatever it may be. Um, because it's a big job. It's a big job teaching, but it's also a big job sitting there and starting to learn a new subject, like a, this vast subject of astrology. It's huge, huge, and it's daunting. Yeah. So uh, I think you actually answered my next question. So uh, th that's one thing. So we, we have the other side. You, know, you spoke about those people who, who might be feeling a little bit skeptical or pessimistic about their approach or their grasp at the age of 40 or 50 or 60. But uh, with the amazing amount of information, the astrological information that is available on the internet today, I think this is the age of information. So uh, people who are actually 25 and uh, who have had those particular transits that have kindled interest in astrology might have had a like, uh, casual study for about one or two years and they might have known some basics before getting into school. So, uh, like, what are the mindsets of those kind of students and how do they actually, uh, I'm sure they fare well, but still, uh, how does the gap get filled by the teachers? Oh, that's an interesting question because people find their own way and sometimes they stumble across a very classical or traditional type of astrology uh, with particular rules and particular focus. Sometimes they stumble across an evolutionary type of astrology where 
there is a focus on the nodes and on Pluto. And it's interesting, I think there's always going to be room for schools that teach the real basic building blocks because over the years, um, I've seen people who, um, we, we have a lot of students over the years who have studied in other places, but they come back to fill in the gaps. And so sometimes I say to people, well, if you want to join into year two, feel welcome to do that. You might get a lot more coming back to the beginning and filling in the gap, seeing a different point of view, seeing how we do it, seeing how we assess it, and and patiently recognizing it's going to come together. Uh, but yes, you're right, people do stumble across a particular method. And uh, yeah, I, astrology is astrology, ultimately. And hopefully the people who are teaching it, Vedically, traditionally, uh, in evolutionary terms, hopefully they're describing the planets as we know them as well, with their own experience. But sometimes, yes, we do get students who come in and they, they need to start again and sometimes unravel it. Uh, we had a student who's been with us four years now because she finished the three years and then uh, came back <laughs> and she's coming back again. So we have sometimes students stay four, five, six years because they, they come back and we have, a, we have an option at the end of their course where they can, it's called a pass. So they become pass holders and they can get a pass and for, for a, a smaller amount of money and they can visit everything. So they can come back and pick out any class at any time in the schedule and learn something um, just to refresh their memory, just to help them with that. And she had been through a particular method of astrology that was so different and that she found it very difficult to do what we all do. She had to un undo her thinking in that way. And it was a, a method of astrology called Huber astrology. And they looked at things very, very differently. And it's very interesting. I, I'd love to learn more about it. I know some, some of Huber, Huber's astrology, but it was so different. She said it, she had to start again and almost learn to re-speak the language. And we so, she sort of had to trust that she wasn't wasting her time or her money, that we were going to come together with that. But it can, be very, uh, it can be very different for a student who has had a very different approach. Okay. Now, uh, London School of Astrology. Yes. <laughs> London School of Astrology. So your association and uh, basically one of the premier schools of uh, astrology across the world. So uh, I would like to hear some more about what London School of Astrology offers to the students from the counseling point of view at first, because uh, astrology can be learned by everyone, but there is a spe special skill of communicating something to people and in such a way that you also become a psychologist, even though you are not a trained uh, or a certified psychologist. So, how how do you how does LSA deal with uh, that particular area of astrology? Well, I'm not a psychologist. We have a few tutors who are psychologists, and 
one of the things that I want, I try to do in the first term when people join is to give them an idea that whatever you do with astrology, wherever you want to go with it, whether it's just for personal development, whether you want to add it to your psychology practice, whether you want to read charts for people, whether you want to study the uh, markets, the money markets. Um, early on, I want to stress that it's, I want to stress to students the importance of saying things ethically, saying things that um, learning, learning not to just apply what you're learning to people, but to listen, to have a dialogue with people. So when you're looking at somebody's chart and you're talking to them, you're asking questions as a student, as a paid astrologer, you're expected to have more experience. But as a student, of course, it would be naive to think that students do not read charts until they finish the course. We know that in the first term, they get home and people are, oh, can you have a look at this? And what did you learn? Their family want to know more. Friends want to know more. That Now they're studying. So the key is never to promise or try to do more than you know. Never to um, say things in a harmful way where people are getting scared because astrology carries power and it carries weight. So when we discuss a part of their chart, I often say to students, when you're reading for a client um, or a friend, to turn it, to depersonalize it. So when you're looking at a placement, maybe it's say Libra on the Ascendant or Sun in, you know, sun in Leo or the Moon in Taurus, instead of saying, this is what I think you are, because that you don't learn anything. If you just tell people what you think you are, they are, as an astrologer, you learn nothing. But to say something like, the people that I know who have this placement have the following, or they, people who have the moon in Taurus, I've noticed like this and this and this. What about you? Do you recognize that? Where does that come in your life? Does that resonate with you? Do you understand? And to get some feedback. So they're telling you, actually, yes, that bit, that's important to me, but the other bit isn't. But this is more important to me. And then we start to learn. They might not be talking about their moon in Taurus. They might be talking about their Mercury in Scorpio. Um, but also, we learned that from listening to our clients, listening to our friends speak their charts, we're learning, as I said, I think in the first interview, we're learning... Uh, we're learning astrology in the real world, not just some textbook idea of what somebody thinks a placement means. So from the very beginning, I said to the students, we had our open evening just last week, a week, week ago. And I said, you're all going to be very different astrologists. You're all going to bring your experience, your worldly understanding, your perceptive experience. Um, your own personalities to astrology. And we want you to do that. We want everybody in this room to be their own astrologer, not a version of me. There's no point. I'm still here. No point in cloning me just yet. Um, so um, we try to encourage people to be who they are, to follow their instinct, but to do it ethically. And so the real thrust 
the real aim of the LSA is to give people, um, you know, a, a varied, um, a wide education on many, many different areas, but to always bring their personality, their self-understanding, their view of the world, their experiences to the chart. And if they do that and they know that's okay, they don't have to be a clone of anybody. They can start to develop their style with ease and they can relax a little bit. But all the way through the course, year one and year two particularly, I'm constantly reminding people how to say things. So we don't upset, we don't um, put negative ideas into people he people's heads. We can be positive, but we can be realistic as well. And when we get to year three, the apprenticeship program, we have the psychologist like Richard Swatton, who is an astrologer and a psychotherapist, um, teach them how to say it. Um, they go back to the basics again in some classes and learn listening skills, counseling skills, back and forth, understanding body language and how people might respond to things. So year three, once they've learned the basics and then they've learned the techniques, they've got the basics in year one, the techniques in year two mainly. Year three, we add more techniques like horary and electional astrology, but we're always focusing on how we say it to the client, how we get it across, um, and trying to do that responsibly and ethically as well. So that's always the idea that we don't want... Astrology should not be about trying to impress people with what you know. It should be about getting them to realize that they, they know who they are, they can understand themselves better, and they can make better choices for their lives. It's not about me and my ego trying to be impressive or to, to look at their chart and, and make a past prediction about their lives. You know, you can do that. And yes, they, get, they, are, they can be impressed. But ultimately, our job is to, to empower people to, to understand themselves, to make better choices. Um, that's far better than an ego trip and trying to be uh, impressive to people. That's just, that's showmanship, it's just games. So. That's true. And uh, see, uh, I saw that palmistry is part of uh, uh, course in London School of Astrology and I don't know if I've ever seen palmistry as a specific subject in any other schools that I have browsed across uh, the internet. So. Uh, you, you, I think you are a, a palmistry expert and uh, is that a reason like uh, London School of Astrology actually put palmistry as a part of curriculum because they have, a, they have an efficient teacher or uh, is, uh, or did they have it uh, even before? Because I am very interested in palmistry because uh, um, that is one of the key traditions in India that I have not become uh, uh, like uh, I've not tried to learn or I didn't have exposure to palmistry but still I, I've, I've, I've tried to actually look at uh, LSA course on palmistry and uh, I don't know I might even uh, like join, join the course so uh, would you like to explain about palmistry uh, in London School of Astrology and how how do you deal it uh, 
um, like how is it different from regular astrology and how do you differentiate between the students of astrology and palmistry do they get together or can they be done together um, they probably could be done together i've never taught them together uh, i brought i brought palmistry to the school like i brought tarot and also graphology handwriting analysis so because over the years people are interested in new things they want to come back but they've done all the courses and it's been a way to encourage people to come see what we do uh, I, I love those subjects I love teaching them so it's always been a opportunity to do that um, I teach palmistry with uh, with astrological names so we, we look at the index finger and we call it Jupiter the middle finger is Saturn the ring finger is the Sun the Apollo finger so people who learn astrology can make that association quickly um, that's always useful so students who have been studying with us and they come and do the palmistry I say to them this is the mercury finger they already know that the finger is going to have a link to communication to analysis to working things out but palmistry is more than that because uh, it's you know it's based it's so many thousands of years old and yes it did cross over with astrology and we have the mount of venus and the mount of the moon and different planets in different mounts on the hand um, and that's useful for association <clears throat> it's interesting because <clears throat> in palmistry the mount of the moon which is the percussion side of the hand here, of course, under the little finger, this, this big base here. Um, in old palmistry books, it was, the, the, it was associated with voyages and going to sea and traveling. And if you had a terrible marking on there, you might drown at sea. And of course, you know, people don't travel on, on boats anymore, really. You know, they fly everywhere. So the idea of of that being linked to voyages and travel uh, is very ancient. And it, nowadays people travel like we're doing right now without even leaving our, our homes. So um, there are lots of ancient aspects of palmistry that have changed over the years. For example, the area we associate with children. Now in, in different parts of the world, it can be on, around the thumb here, marking and then, of course, there are famous markings here under the little finger that are linked to relationships and children. A hundred years ago, you could look at somebody's hand and you could do a very good reading without much mistake because life a hundred years ago was very predictable. So people usually did the same job as their father. Women didn't have many options of what to do in their lives. And you could read that and you think, oh, okay, you're going to get married. I can see two lines, two children, finished. Nowadays, people have pets and cats and dogs as children. They have next door neighbors. They have nephews who are like children. They marry a second time or first time and that person has two children. Life has become so different that almost the hand doesn't reflect the reality anymore of what it used to 50 or 100 years ago it reflects how you view it and life is so different now that i've seen on people's hands markings and it looks like a relationship marking 
but they've never met that person. Um, they might have fallen in love with um, Brad Pitt or a Bollywood actor or somebody, and it's on their hand because they live every day studying this person, wishing, imagining, fantasizing, going to bed, imagining being part of their life. And it shows on the hand. A hundred years ago, you didn't have movie stars like that. So um, life has changed so much. And teaching palmistry offers students a very different um, way of seeing the world. I always say, you know, it's, it's very interesting that when I teach palmistry, I usually get 30, 40% men. When I teach astrology, I get about three or 4% men. Okay. 10 times more come to palmistry because men will come to me and they'll say, ah, oh, it's the hand, it's real. It's not some rubbish up in the sky that, or newspapers or women's, women's newspapers with astrology in it. And it makes me laugh because I think, hey, we're, we're all, you know, I, I'm, I'm a man, I, I do both. I don't think astrology is women's nonsense. Um, so more men gravitate towards palmistry because they feel it's real and it's something they can do and study and feel and touch. And of course, there are some men who learn palmistry just to have dates. <laughs> I can read okay. your palm. I can, I can seduce you, you know. So there are always a few men going around reading palms, um, maybe not so legitimately, uh, with not so good um, aims. <laughs> um, so. I, I, it's a roundabout way of answering your question, really. But in, um, in the school, I've been teaching it for years as a different lens, a different way of seeing the world. Together, they're amazing. When I do consultations for people um, on Skype, in person, they often send me a photograph of their hand. And the hand, because it's the living hand, it gives me a very good idea of what they have made of their chart. So the chart could be the chart of an animal, it could be the chart of a, a company, it could be the chart of a marriage. Um, it has so many potentials. And we've seen people born at the same time and because they don't have the same opportunity, one of them succeeds and one of them doesn't. The hand, however, shows you what the person has done all their life and what they've created with that chart, with their personality. So I call it the living hand because right now, my hand is different from 10 years ago. I was looking the other day and one of my lines has disappeared. I'm, I'm trying to work out why it has disappeared in my hand. Um, I'm thinking, oh, that's a shame. It was such a lovely line, it's gone, I wonder why. And so the hand is always reflecting who you are today. In the chart, in the astrology chart, we have to look at transits, directions, progressions, the natal chart. And it's not always clear what somebody decides to do. But the hand is like part of their body. And it's the same if we're eating badly, our skin will be bad, we look old, we look tired, if we're putting rubbish into ourselves. The same with the hand. If we're making bad decisions for ourselves, the hand is going to reflect that too. But the chart, it doesn't do that in that way. The other difference that I say is that the chart gives you a lot more color. 
it gives you many, many shades, many, many different possibilities. So you look at the chart and say to the person, oh, you know, you could look at their favorite music, you could look at what they love to do in their time, the people that influence them. I say to people, the chart is like being in the driver's seat, driving a car, and you can look out the window and see everything. You can smell the coffee, you can hear the noise, you can see all the different colors. But the hand is like looking at the satellite navigator. You can just see the basic lines, the basic movement, the roads ahead. It gives you a clearer picture. The chart gives you many, many more layers. The palm gives you straightforward information of what the person has done, you know, what they built for themselves. So when you do them together, it's amazing. But when you teach them separately, uh, I don't really touch upon the subjects together. It's too complicated. You need to learn them separately, I think, for me anyway. Learn them separately and then bring them together later, I think. Otherwise, it's too much information. Okay. Okay. And uh, I'm sure there, there are so many successful students from London School of Astrology. And uh, I think Stephanie James has already been to India once to present in Krishnamurti Institute of Astrology. And uh, there, there are a lot of students. And uh, I think this is an announcement <laughs> that uh, uh, students of London School of Astrology are going to present in the Celestial Vibes magazine. And uh, I think I have to thank you for that to, uh, in order well, to, like, you are making this uh, uh, a real thing. So. I, I hope so. I mean, I, I wrote to probably about six or seven or 10, I can't remember, um, asking them. But I, I said to them, you'll have to organize it yourself because I've just got too many things to, what we say, um, uh, to herd cats, meaning too many, too many people. And astrologers are very independent-minded people. They want to know, they want to learn what they want to learn. They want to specialize in their particular subject. They want to read the charts they want to read. Um, astrology appeals to very individualistic people. So I realize that you cannot put them all into one category and tell no. them what to do. It will, never, it will never work because everybody is, you know, astrologers are quite Uranian in that way. They're, they're very um, different. They want to be different. Yeah. So I think that's, that, that brings us to the end of the show. And uh, I think that was, that was actually a very eye-opening session because uh, I had so much of things that was running in my mind. Uh, like I was not systematic or I was not streamlined in learning astrology and it took some time for me to actually uh, streamline myself and put focus towards a particular line and uh, after a point of time it is uh, after after some experience it is easier for us to actually choose what we need in order to have further specialization because now uh, it is not that I know every bit of uh, Vedic astrology but still now uh, I know that much uh, in astrology that I can actually try and learn some other forms of astrology from, from the West, which is actually helping me in my research and analysis. So uh, I think that's what um, streamlined astrological education gives. I, I think it is more of a maturity that a particular student from a particular school of astrology gains uh, quicker when compared to someone like uh, me who has had a 
who is a self-learned astrologer uh, or or everyone like me who has learned themselves and not from school you know my my answer to that really is that we all learn our own way and we find the route i think it's important never to become um so fixated on one way of doing things um the only way to learn the subject the only person to read the only person to believe this is where you create gurus in a negative sense where people um are not questioning their astrology and i think dipping into many many different styles different schools different books will give you an eclectic experience of astrology and then you form your own mind you you form your own opinions so i think whichever way you and i went round the houses and we did lots of ways before we got to something else but that's great that's that's fine it just takes and we we always we're always going to use what we've learned so to me there's um there's no one right way to do it and there's no only there's no one way to learn astrology so um you know do follow your heart follow follow where you where you want to go okay sure uh, that was a very enlightening session and uh, i thank you so much for joining again and uh, until next time bye bye